So far, the places that Angelica had lived were mostly dictated by circumstances outside of her control. For the past few months, it was being dictated by a court. But just because she was being released from prison didn't mean that she was done with the justice system. Not by a long shot. From Rivet and Streetwise, this is where I stay. The deconstruction has begun Time for me to fall apart I'm Jesse Patend. This episode, Angelica is released from prison, but getting her son back from her mom would prove more complicated than she first anticipated. Episode 6. Oh, hell to the no. And break apart. I'll break apart. Angelica was released on parole at the tail end of November 2002. Although she'd been sentenced to two years, she'd spent just under four months at Mitchellville Prison. With the help of her parole officer, she was placed in a halfway house where she was expected to live while on parole. The halfway house didn't allow children, so Angelica's son, Anthony, stayed with her mother. Remember back then I was young too, so I I don't know the ins and outs. So I thought I was going to be able to come home, get my stuff together, and she was just going to give my child back to me. But that's not what happened. Her mom wasn't returning calls, and she'd made it clear Angelica wasn't allowed over. She didn't have a restraining order or anything on me. I just wasn't allowed at the house. So Angelica decided to settle in at the halfway house and then sort through her options. Her mom had been granted temporary legal guardianship. So guardianship just allows you to make decisions in the well-being of the child. Angelica was, of course, both legally and biologically Anthony's mother. But in this case, temporary guardianship had been granted by the court. A judge would have to revoke it. My thinking as far as my son was go to the halfway house, do whatever I had to do, get my stuff back in order where I had a a house and was employed because part of being at the halfway house was you'd have to get employment and stuff. So um, that was all my intentions. And then to get my son back in the house with me. But you wouldn't be at the halfway house long. Um, there was a girl that we called Pig. About two months into her stay, Angelica and this woman, Pig, get in an argument. Angelica can't remember what exactly it was about, but she says she remembers fooling around, as she puts it, with Pig's brother for a while growing up. So maybe that had something to do with it. Anyway, Angelica's version is, right from the beginning, she and Pig just rub each other the wrong way. So one day, they get in an argument. According to Angelica... Pig retaliates by taking some of her own belongings and putting them in Angelica's room. Then Pig goes to the staff and reports the item stolen. So when the police came, they searched the room and found the stolen property, but they couldn't arrest me because they didn't have no serial number to match up yet. They can't match no serial numbers. There's no proof that it's a stolen property. And how do you know she was the one who put it in your... Because she's the only one I had problems with. Pig and the police officers start looking for receipts to match up, leaving Angelica with a small and rapidly closing window. So I was like, I'm not going back to prison for nobody. I'm gone. So I ended up calling Steve. 
Steve was a male inmate Angelica had met in prison about six months earlier. In Missouri Holding Center. You might remember him as the guy that she flirted with by passing notes folded like ninja stars underneath the gate that separated male and female inmates. So when I was released and I went to the halfway house, I called him immediately. I'm like, hey, I've been released. He was like, who's this? And I'm like... <laughs> The girl from the door, he's like, oh my God, oh my God. Two months later, Angelica was calling him again. And he's like, come to Chicago. So he ended up sending me money. I ended up getting on a bus and coming to Chicago and coming straight to him. When you ran, did you, did, did you know what the risk were? Did you know what you were kind of like putting at stake? I knew eventually I was going to go back to prison. What do you mean you knew eventually you were going to go back to prison? Because it was a violation of parole. This split-second decision turned out to be a big one. Fleeing to Chicago meant breaking parole and going back to prison. Staying meant risking arrest for a theft. Angelica figured if she was headed back to prison, she might as well go back with money. I was like, this time I'm not going back broke, at least. So since you, you figured you were probably going to get arrested because of the situation that was going on at the halfway house, mm -hmm. you were like, rather than go to jail because of this I'm lie, good. I'd rather skip town, make as much money as I can, and then get arrested. Yeah. Do you leave that night? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, catch me if you can. And it's funny because that's one of my favorite movies instead of Catch Me If You Can because how he was doing everything was like my whole mindset at that time. You're going to have to find me whichever way you find me. I'm not going to volunteer nothing. You do your job and I'm going to do my job. January 8th, the same day that Angelica fled, her parole officer filed a notice of parole violation. Later that day, Judge Overham approved a warrant for Angelica's arrest, and the chase was on. It's like, hey, get this in motion and let's get it done. He wired, I picked up, bought the ticket, was gone. Of course, running also meant leaving her son Anthony behind with her mom at least for the time being. So when you left for Chicago, was there... Any doubt in my mind? Well, I guess it was just like, I guess you just realized it's going to be a little while before I get to see him again. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, he's in a safe place. Everything's going to be okay. You justify where those individuals are at as being they're safe. Mm. Now it's your turn to take care of yourself. How am I gonna do this? Where do I go? Where am I gonna get my money? Where am I gonna stay? Who am I gonna allow into my world? Because at any point, anybody could turn on you. You know, if I turn, if I tell them that you're over here, I might get $500. You know what I'm saying? Anything can happen. So now it's like, I'm in a secret life. At first, Angelica's world was small. After arriving in Chicago, she stayed with Steve, but it was hard not to be paranoid. When I was with Steve and stuff, I primarily stayed inside the house and stuff, because, you know, I'm like, okay, I gotta lay low and whatnot. Wasn't using my real name. 
I was going by my aliases or my nicknames and stuff like that. People just called me Lala or Angie. I went by Pumpkin, Soleil, Persia, because I was obsessed with Persia White at that time. <laughs> Despite the risk, she did leave the house to visit her dad. Did um did you and your dad ever talk about what you'd you'd gone through, no. or was it just like oh like how was school, or you just never even talked about we it? We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Did you did you know what you were gonna do, or did you just not mm-hmm. have a plan? You just you didn't. I didn't have no plan. What Angelica had was a vague checklist of things to do to get her son back. Get housing, get a job, hire a lawyer. With a place to stay crossed off, she turned to the next checkbox. Make some money. Location. Chicago Loop Subway Sandwich Counter. Late. One night at a Subway Sandwich Shop, she stumbled across an opportunity. He was well-dressed, had a mink coat on. I'm like, okay, he fly. Like, he got money. Right now, I'm looking for somebody who can take care of me instead of I'm finna swindle this guy. So he just kept looking at me, and I was like, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. Because, <laughs> like I said, I've always been very outspoken. And he's like, well, I, I, you know, I'm just admiring what I see. So I'm like, oh, okay, so then talk. He's like, hi, I'm president. I'm like, yeah, okay. You're not a president or nothing. He was like, that's what they call me. They call me president. I have a twin brother. His name's Governor. <laughs> okay. Like, looking back on stuff, you're like, what did I ever, ever, like, now would I have ever talked to a guy named president? Probably not. <laughs> but, of course, ain't no telling because... I've dated, you know, a guy named Butter. So <laughs> that was his nickname. So Butter. I don't know. <laughs> Ain't no telling. Angelica and President exchanged numbers. A few days later, he called to ask if she wanted to go for a drive. So he had came pick me up and we were riding around and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, I, there's something about you. There's just something about you. And I'm like, oh, what about me? And he was like, there, I, I just can't put it. There's just something about you. So then we ended up going to a McDonald's somewhere back down, close to downtown. And um, his other girl, uh, Mary Jane, was there. So she had got in the car, gave him some money, and um, he dropped her off somewhere else downtown. So I'm like, okay, what the fuck is this? Do you think he was grooming you, sort of, from the beginning? Um, in a sense, I think he wanted, he was trying to tell me what he was doing, but without telling me what he was doing. I still, being naive, didn't, like, click it. And I'm like, why is she giving him money and he's dropping her off somewhere? Oh, okay, I don't know. Who yeah. cares? What Angelica was starting to work out president and his twin brother governor were pimps i was very naive to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. growing up because i pretty much was raised in iowa and so i'm now i could detassel corn for you but <laughs> like that was my first interaction with a pimp she became sure later that night when president introduced her to two more pimps rico and solo i was always told a man who speaks too fast got a lot of stuff to hide and that's how Rico was. Rico would be like, real quick. And I'm like, huh? Like, slow down. I ain't catch that. I'm like, okay, he's sneaky. I can't, I can't deal with him. Solo was somebody different. 
The other one, Solo, was real, real quiet. So then I was like, okay, do I go or do I stay? Do I go, do I stay? At some point in the night, the quiet pimp, Solo, approached Angelica. So he's like, you know, hey, you're looking for money. You're on the run. You can't go get a job or anything. He sold a good sale to me and I bought it. Solo suggested Angelica go out with another girl on a trial run, which is how Angelica and a woman named Comfort ended up at a bar in downtown Chicago. So there was a man there drunk. He kept talking to me and I'm like, um, I was like, oh my God, he's smells just like alcohol this is disgusting she's like girl just get him just get him comfort takes the lead she's like you know i could um make all your dreams come true and he's like well i'm going to aspen tomorrow so where i'm like this man's going to aspen i need money he wants to go to the hotel okay fuck it let's go they walk the drunk guy out to get some cash from an atm he was so drunk he couldn't remember his pin. I'm like, well, let me help you. So I'm like, what's your number? He gives it to her. She takes out some cash. I said, oh, okay, you did it. We did it. So he's like, okay, thank you, thank you. He's still drunk as hell. So we ended up going upstairs to his hotel room. He was staying at the Hilton downtown, talking, laughing. She had got him completely naked. And I was like, uh, let me turn off the light. I don't want to see what's going on or anything like that. As Angelica heads for the light switch, she notices the guy's pants on the floor. More importantly, she notices his wallet peeking out of a front pocket. Angelica calls Comfort. She's like, what? And I'm like, I got to go. She's like, why? I'm like, I got to go. And you have his PIN number at this point, So right? at this point, I have the PIN number to one of the credit cards. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I have to go. So she's like, oh, baby, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I gotta go, I gotta go. He had already given us our money. Comfort was following me behind. She had her shoes in her hand. <laughs> I'm like, run, bitch, run, run. So me and her are running down the hallway. He come running out the room, butt naked, and ends up locking himself out of the room because now he's chasing after us. We ended up taking the stairs down to a different floor, catching the elevator, and leaving the building running down a couple blocks and um, catching the, flagging down a cab. Got in a cab. And I'm like, look, I'll give you $50. You just take me to different ATM machines. So she was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, just chill out. So we ended up stopping at the bank and I took the ATM card and I withdrew $500 from it. And then it wouldn't allow me to do anything else. And I'm like, okay, shit, he has seven credit cards. Hmm. So I started swiping the other cards using the same pin number. Every single one of them had the same pin number. So I was going to different ATMs and taking as much money as I possibly can out of his accounts. I ended up getting 3,500 plus the 300 that he had given us. So a total of 3,800. Eventually, the two women have the cabbie drop them off at the hotel where Solo, the pimp, is staying. We ended up getting back to the hotel where Solo was like, oh, so how was the night? And she's like, oh, I got 300. She gives him the money or whatever. (laughs) And he's like, how about you? I was like, I ain't make nothing. 
He was like, how did you not make nothing? He was like, as pretty as you are, you going <laughs> to tell me you ain't make nothing, nothing. I was like, I ain't make nothing. Because I was still debating on what I was going to do. If I'm going to take this 38 and disappear because now I got some money. Or am I going to continue doing what he had planned set forward and, you know, continue on? So while he went outside to talk to his friend Rico on the phone, Comfort went to take a shower. And I sat on the floor and started putting the money in $100 stacks. <sighs> and so, so I was like halfway through when Solo came back in the room. And he's still on the phone with Rico. And he's like, oh, shit, I need to call you back. <laughs> so I hear Rico on the phone like, why? What's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, my bitch got a whole bunch of money. <laughs> and so he's like, what? He's like, my bitch got a whole bunch of money. Now, Rico was staying in the same hotel that we were at because we were right here on Halstead. At that time, it was called the Comfort Inn. And so, so he was like, my bitch got a whole bunch of money and stuff. Oh, I got to call you back. I got to call. He was like, I'm coming upstairs. I'm coming upstairs. So sure enough, um, Solo's like, how much money is that? I was like, I don't know. I'm still counting. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, how did you do this? I said, I wasn't finna sleep with dude, and I sure wasn't going to suck him off I was like so I saw all his credit cards and they all had the same pin number he's like oh my god I love you I just love you and so so I I ended up counting the 3800 he's like so what do you want to do and I was like shit if it's this easy and I'm fucking with you and you taking care of all the bills and everything else like that then I'm staying I mean Hmm. 38 in in a matter of a couple hours you're never going to get that so I'm like okay I'm staying I think I even still have a pair of my boots. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, you have to show me if you do. I'm like, you have gotta, to show me. I wonder, do I still have them? Can we check? Yeah. All right, let's Shit. see. <laughs> I'm like, I'm wondering if I still have them. I have my red shoes. You said you, you, what was that? I don't have my boots anymore. I still have my red shoes. Oh, man. Wow. I had these boots. I don't know where they're at. Maybe I did give them away. <laughs> my sisters, one of my play sisters, take them. No, that's not it. Yeah, I must think. I had some knee-high strap-up boots, six-inch heels that were godly. Yeah? They didn't have no zipper on the side. They were straight leather, and I would have to lace them all the way up to here. And stuff, and they were thick heels. And then after majority of my customers were like fetish people so they were into like dominatrix which i of course have no problem yelling and telling people what to do (laughs) or they had different like foot fetish or adult babyism which is when adult men like to be treated like a baby and wear diapers and stuff like that the one man that I had that was into doll babyism in his house, he had a big crib no. and stuff. He had a whole room to cater to his baby fetish that he had. There was the client going through a divorce who claimed to work for a pharmaceutical company and was hell bent on spending any money that his ex-wife might get in alimony. So he was just splurging anything and everything anywhere. So I'm like, okay, well, I have no problem with it. Keep bringing it. Things were going well in Chicago, but a few days after joining the team, 
Solo came to Angelica with a proposition. They're like, oh, you know, you're not really a, a Chicago person. You're more of the high life, so let's go to Las Vegas. Which is exactly what they do. Location. The Strip. I was working the casinos and, you know, getting paid very well. Two weeks after being with um, Solo, I ended up getting a condo in Las Vegas. Do you know the other women who worked for President and Governor Solo Rico? No. All these guys. Uh, just of the ones you met, like Mary Jane and mm-hmm. was it Comfort? And Comfort. And Comfort. So of Mary Jane and Comfort, like, do you know how similar their backgrounds were to yours? Like, were some no, of these... I never, I never asked them about their background. It was like, we just had a common thing that we wanted to make money. Business kept booming and the group kept expanding. Now in Las Vegas or now in California. They travel back and forth in a triangle between Las Vegas, California, and Arizona. Las Vegas got a whole bunch of conventions and stuff like that. So depending on what convention was in town and stuff also determine how much time we spend out there. Like during the swingers convention and stuff, I would always go over there. When it kind of slowed down or we just got tired of the city, then we went somewhere else. We ended up getting an apartment in Las Vegas. We still had the one in California because money was coming in like that. I even lived in Utah for like four months, which is kind of weird because it's, you know, a Mormon state and stuff. And you would think that, you know, Mormons are like real, you know, oh, but business was good during the week. It was the weekend and stuff that they became family orientated. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, it That's is what amazing. it is. Um, and so I ended up um, being popular in a couple different states, I guess you can say. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we talked, Angelica made it sound like she was just one of the workers. But I'd heard her actual position may have been slightly more elevated. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Is that yes. true? In a, in a way, shape, and form. So um, You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, and in a household and stuff, you always have the what they call the bottom bitch, which is the main one that got everything cracking and have everything in order. Okay. So that was me in my position. So I got away with a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have gotten away with. I ended up getting a house out there that was 3,500 square feet. And it was just me, five bedrooms, and had several cars there. Even though I was under the instructions of a pimp, I made sure that everything was paid for. You know, I wired whatever extra money I had to my pimp at that time. He allowed me to do, be free, as long as the money stayed continuous. And I made sure that the money stayed continuous. So this this whole time you know that there's like this prison sentence Mm -hmm. looming over your head. Did you have like a certain amount of money that you were trying to make before you went back? Because I feel like if you know that this is coming at some point, was there a part of you that just wanted to get it over with? Go part home. Part of me wanted to get it over with, and then part of me is like, like I said, catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. And so, because I had been stopped, you know, um, by police officers because of loitering with the intent to solicit. Mm-hmm. So therefore, when I found out, oh, they're like, oh, you have a warrant in, in the state of Iowa, but we can't extradite you on it because it's not worth it it's gonna cost us more for you to go than anything else and they kept letting me go i'm like even better i ain't never got to go to the state of iowa 
and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'll be good. I'll be good. I get the money. Then I could fight for my son, get my son and bring him out here. And by that time, I wasn't thinking about the lifestyle and how it would have affected my son. Okay. In my brain and stuff, it was all going to work out. Yeah. I was going to have this money. I was going to have this crib. I was going to have um, the car. And I was going to be, because of that money, I was going to be able to afford an attorney who's going to get me my son. And my mother would never have to see my son again. I could just pick him up and fly us out to a whole nother state and live our life. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be the end of the story. But by that time, it was already too late. I had exceeded six months past my discharge date instead of my parole discharge date. Uh, When you're on parole, they give you a tentative discharge date. So that's when your case is done and closed. Mm. So I ended up staying six months past my discharge date. Because I'm like, oh, if I'm out here past my discharge, they're not going to take me. I'm done. They could, you know, close my case up and I'm done. Come to find out that's not how it works out there. Or just about anywhere. On one of her work trips back to Chicago, Angelica made a visit to her aunt's house. And my aunt told me, she's like, oh, you have mail. Because I always sent my mail there. Because I knew she wasn't going nowhere. She owns the house. It's hers. She'll always be there. That's my mom's only sister. That's my favorite aunt in the whole wide world. So she gave me the letter and I seen um, that it was a petition for a court hearing for um, terminating my parental rights. And I was like, oh, hell no. Hell to the no. That's my son. I'm trying to get my shit together so I can be with my son. I told Solo, I was like, hey, I gotta go handle this. Solo buys her a plane ticket, and Angelica flies back to Iowa that night. I was running behind because the plane was behind schedule. When she finally lands, she doesn't even stop to get her luggage. I left my suitcase at the airport and went straight to the courthouse. So I ended up going back to Iowa, not thinking that when I went to the courthouse, to go to court for my son that they would put me back in prison because I violated my parole by leaving the state and going on the run. As soon as she walked into the courtroom, she was arrested. Angelica's mother was already at the courthouse. So when I was at the courthouse, I saw my mother and we went into the courtroom. It was just the judge, um, the lawyer sitting at my table and the lawyer for the um, Child Advocate Center thing that they had, and my mother was sitting behind me. Um, They were pretty much saying that I had abandoned my child. The judge gave Angelica a choice. I had two options. Either they were going to terminate my parental rights and put him in the system, or I could sign off on the paper and he would go in the custody of my mother. So naturally, I don't want my child going into no system, into a foster care home or um, orphanage or whatever it was. Are you and your mom like looking at each other in the courtroom like as this is going on? Yeah, but by that time I was already crying because I'm like, you know, you telling me I don't have no rights to my child and that's my child. 
regardless of how much fucked up stuff I did in my life and stuff that's still my child. So I signed the papers um, so that he could be released to my mother. So my mom ended up getting him at that time. By that time, they had already arrested me. Before the court hearing even started, I was in the courtroom and they put the handcuffs on me. Wow. So I had the handcuffs in front of me and had to sign with handcuffs. When I signed that paper that terminated my parental rights, there was no more coming back. I legally was not his mother anymore. Mm. Even though the original birth certificate says that I'm his mother, instead of when they terminate your parental rights, it's over with. So as soon as the court hearing was done, they ended up escorting me to um, the jail. You know, they could have given me an option of things that I could have did in order to prove myself for my child. And that was out of the window. It was like, it's either A or B. When in reality, there was a C, a D, an E. And me being as young as I was and not knowing better, and this being my first child and everything else, I got suckered. That's what it boils down to. Hmm. I got played. Yeah. So... Yeah, I have a little bit of animosity towards that, I guess, because I just got mad. But anyways, okay. Well, sure. <laughs> so as soon as the court hearing was done, they ended up escorting me to um, the jail. And the way that Iowa system is, is the courthouse, and then there's a walkway under the street. And so it's like a, I don't know what you call them. It's like in the basement. They lead straight into the like jailhouse. Yeah, like a yeah. tunnel. And so they walk me through the tunnel and stuff, which takes you across the street. And then you're inside of the jail. So you don't even get to see air one more time. Oh, that was it. Within two weeks, Angelica was back at Mitchellville, stuck with the realization that if she wanted her son back in her life, the only option left was through her mom. Next time on Where I Stay. And break apart I'll break apart Where I Stay is produced by Rivet and Streetwise. The show is hosted, reported, and produced by Jesse Batend. Streetwise is a weekly street publication that provides immediate income and employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. For more in-depth reporting and coverage, check out streetwise.org. If you enjoyed this show, there's a few things we'd ask of you. First, tell someone that, that you enjoyed it. Second, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It's one of the most crucial things when it comes to helping us spread the word. You can also learn more about Streetwise's mission at streetwise.org. And if you'd like to help support this kind of work, it's easier than ever. Text Streetwise, all one word, to 243725 or visit streetwise.org for more information. Special thanks to Angelica and everyone who spoke with me for this project. Our theme song is The Deconstruction by Eels. Check out their new album, Earth to Dora, wherever you get your music these days. For more about Angelica, the show, 
and in-depth reporting about the issues discussed. Follow Streetwise on social media or just pick up a copy. Once again, you can make a difference in the life of someone experiencing homelessness by texting Streetwise to 243725. You can also find that link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Jesse Patend. Thank you for listening. <laughs>